It's your boy B-Rob, and I'm back with another edition of the Random Rounds with Rob podcast. First and foremost, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for coming back each and every week or however you listen to podcasts. And if you're a first-time listener, I appreciate you oh so much for giving me a try. And if anybody recommended you to me, I would ask for you to give that person a crisp high five if you're in their vicinity. If not, use your social media app of choice, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or whatever have you. To tell that person, thank you for recommending you to me. Um, I have guests with me this evening, and they're hearing this again, but it's going to be different because I wasn't recording the last time. So I just want to throw that out there in the ether. You know when I fuck up, I like to tell you about it or whatever, because I ain't going to be the motherfucker that hide shit in the edits and be like, nah, man, that shit never happened because I'm human. The shit happens. To air is human. That's why they say that, because I'm a motherfucking human. Anyway, (laughs) uh, come across this movie uh, called Chasing Molly. And it already intrigued me because I am a professional wrestling fan, as uh, many of you may know from listening to this show. I have many guests from the realm of professional wrestling. And I see Kurt Angle on the cover of this uh, movie. I'm already intrigued because it's freaking Kurt Angle who wrestled in the Olympics with a freaking broken neck and all those things. And um, so I sit down, I check it out. I look into the writer. I look into the director. And I'm like, this is cool. And then since I'm kind of burying the lead, I have the writer and director on the show with me to this evening. Um, I did a little more research, got a little uh, peek into what I'll be getting myself into. And I'm kind of scared, but <laughs> we're going to braid through it together. Joining me once again, the writer and director of Chasing Molly. We have Shelly Pack and Josh Sutherland. Hi, thank you for having us. I'm glad that we're terrifying you. I'm looking forward to it. That's great. <laughs> yes, that, that intro was amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to have us on your show, Rob. We appreciate it. Well, yeah, yeah, thanks a lot, Rob. I don't think, it. I don't think it was amazing as the first time that I did it that wasn't recorded, but <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, um I wanna tell y'all some things right off the top. Okay. Uh, I, yes. Um I appreciate you for doing something or putting, you know, a lot of effort into a thing that you really want to get accomplished. This movie being that thing. I've heard you on other podcasts in preparation for this show, which you should be very, uh, I don't know what the word is, appreciative of because I don't prep for shit. <laughs> so. Wow. Thank you. So, we don't either. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. In preparation, I heard some of the things that y'all was saying about this film, like not so much the, you know, the completed product, but the work and effort that you put into getting this thing off the ground. It just released this year of 2019, but 
is uh started what about three years ago yeah yeah little, yeah man little Long over process three, yeah a little over three years ago that was shooting it then getting it edited and then getting it prepped for distri- distribution and you know people to put their eyeballs on it so right off the gate and everything with this movie that you put so much time and effort into all the things you could have done with your uh, uh, range of talent between the both of you why this particular story that you chose to put out there for everybody to see um i mean for sure, if, in a one word answer necessity basically um we me and shelly um have some other properties that we were trying to package and get investors to you know they fell through a couple times and we we're trying to do a bigger movie and it got to the point with just basically frustration where you're like you know People always wonder, like, how am I going to be a big director, blah, blah, blah. Like, no one's going to hand that to you. You just got to grind and work and take it, essentially. And so we got to the point where we were sick of having projects fall through that we wanted to make one where we said, we can make this ourselves. And if no one's going to help us along the way, so be it. We can. We knew we can do this ourselves. And so we literally started packaging a script and building a script and a product that we knew that we could do ourselves. And unfortunately that's why it took so long to do. And uh, for people out there listening who don't know a traditional, you know, movie with millions of dollars, that's a feature film. They shoot it all back to back, all out of order. It takes, you know, 40 to 60 days and you have, you know, you've seen the credits on the end of a movie. There's a monster list of people that it takes to, to make it happen. And so we definitely did this, uh, a different way. I won't say the wrong way, but a different way. And um, I'm just so happy that there's a you know a cohesive story and that basically shout out to Gravitas Ventures who distributed the movie that th- they bought it and wanted to put it out for the world to see. And, um, you know, it was literally, like I said, made out of necessity. You just got tired of uh, waiting on others. And sometimes you just got to you got to do it yourself. OK, so we started picking off what we could, you know, which a lot of it you know, I, since I play Molly, I'm in most of the movie. So we started picking off what we could and, you know, I have an improv background and I know a lot of great comedians like Felicia Day and Drew Droji, Mike Rose and Jim Cashman. And so after we structured the story, I would write the dialogue knowing the comedians that I knew that would kill it. And so that the parts would be perfect for them. We didn't use a casting director. Like Josh said, this was a very untraditional way of making a movie, but I think it worked for us because it wasn't just random casting or agents needing to get a client in on a film. We literally, you know, went after comedians that uh, I've worked with personally. Mm -hmm. So we were able to get really great talent because we only needed them for a couple of days and, you know, they would responded to the material because it was basically written for them. So it just kind of snowballed. And then we, you know, had a cold call out to Kurt, uh, to Kurt's uh, management team. And he actually read the script and actually liked it, but that was the only person uh, that we didn't know ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Um, So we just took a chance and, you know, when it's, when it's your baby, you'll do anything for it. And, um, including being very, you know, ambitious and also vulnerable and putting your material out there. And you hope that people respond. And we're so grateful that, you know, we made a product that we were proud of, but then that other people have also responded so well too, and that we were actually able to sell. It was just, just an amazing feeling. And we're very grateful. It's not lost on us how rare that is in this industry to, to be able to do that. 
Now, you talk about your separate things that you've done. Um, Josh, this, this is where we fact check. I'm looking at IMDb, looking at a dapper man yeah. with his uh, combed over hair, his shades on, his black suit. Uh, I know what picture that is. <laughs> everything. Very, me too. Me too. Very, we know that picture. Yeah, very dapper young man. Yeah, he's very dapper. Um, but I'm looking at you, and the first thing that I see, you know, as far as known for, you're a visual effects guy. Yes. Yeah. I um, I was lucky enough to, you know, when I first moved from Texas out to Los Angeles. Um, I've always been freelance directing and doing shooting stuff, but I, I kind of cut my teeth actually at a vis- visual effects house um, and was lucky enough to garner some credits on huge movies. You know, I mean, uh, Avengers, Looper, X-Men, Pirates of the Caribbean. So lucky, lucky for me, like I, I've been I've, get, I've been able to see how hundred million dollar movies work because people who don't know vis- visual effects. If you're the lead um, for an effects house, you generally um, get to do some pre-production stuff and then get to end up on set, right? Whether that's taking measurements and photos and taking, you know, seeing, making sure they're shooting it so that you can do the effects properly. And so getting to be a part of that team and see that world and see how it's supposed to be done really allowed me to see, you know, once you've learned all that, then you can kind of, I, I like to say, once you know the rules, then you can learn how to bend the rules. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that basically allowed me to take all that knowledge and say like, this is how I know I can do a movie myself without without some of these big expensive things that a traditional movie would have. But I, I definitely cut my teeth the first uh, you know four or five years of my career um, doing visual effects. And uh, yeah, the IMDb is looking good. Honestly, it got to the <laughs> point where I was like, I got to stop adding these credits because you'll go to my name and it'll say VFX first before director yeah. for a while because there's just too many. Yeah, I got you. Now, now, Shelley, did did you freaking pluck him out of obscurity or whatever to get on this project because of his inside intel or whatever or did y'all know each other previous how did this relationship form for this movie so we uh work together on another project i um in my spare time i work with kids with autism and other disabilities and special needs and i you know, Josh and I had met and we started talking and I told him about what I did and he was really fascinated with it. And, you know, we really, there was one student I wanted to tell his story. Um, and so Josh said, let's, let's do it. Let's shoot it. Josh has a very much like a let's do it attitude, which I do too. You know, a lot of people spend a lot of time talking about things, but, uh, you know, we really like to talk and then get going. So I really responded to that um, in Josh. And our movie ended up screening, you know, across the world. A little short film, but it's been in like 30 different countries. And uh, I found that Josh and I have a great chemistry. And he knows everything about behind the camera from pre-production to post, editing, everything. And then I know everything in front of the camera, you know, acting and writing. So it was the perfect kind of culmination for both of us to come together and we both work really hard and uh we have that same kind of drive to keep going you know no matter what i mean footage gets lost stuff happens you know sound doesn't match i mean things go wrong but you keep going and because it was the two of us kind of driving this movie um we didn't let anything fall we also made sure that everything in the movie was of what we thought was the best and we both agree on that you know at least 90 percent 
percent of the time. There were some jokes that were cut that were later put back in. That's not important. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's important is that I was right. I think that's what everyone and your viewers want to know. Um, who's who's more right? And it's me. Um, no, but uh, Josh and I, uh, we really enjoy working together. But it's. It, just because you like somebody doesn't mean that it's going to be a productive relationship. Yeah. It happens that Josh and I have that. So yeah. uh, we had worked together on another short film, um, definitely not in the same vein, obviously, as Chasing Molly, which is a, you know, we're kind of a raunchy stoner comedy. And our other movie is like a feel good short film. Um, but nonetheless, we realized that we have that chemistry together. So um, we just we said, you know what, we really want to make a feature. And like Josh said, after another uh, movie I had written, you know, investors fell through. We said, let's just do something we can, we can shoot. And so we structured the story around uh, being able to just kind of a run the gauntlet where my character kind of runs the gauntlet, meets different hilarious characters along the way. And uh, Josh goes, when you have 90 pages written, we're going to start shooting. And a few weeks later, I think my sister was giving birth and I was really not concerned with that. I was <laughs> finishing up our, the last scene. I, so we were all screaming in the delivery room, but I was really just happy I finished the script. But um, it ended up, we just started going, picking up stuff, and it just snowballed um, into something we were really, really proud of. Yeah, And I can kind of relate to that uh, whole, you know relationship type thing or whatever because I have an ex-wife so I understand <laughs> but um, a couple of things you know in preparation uh, for having y'all on here or whatever I heard some previous interviews and whatnot and two words kept buzzing in my ears talk to us script and improv so looking at this movie I know that um, you was talking about how you knew all these people or whatever you kind of wrote to their strengths and whatnot because I mean you worked with them previously Right. To, to me, looking at this movie, this is like when I hear the word script is like you were you wrote word per word what they were going to say. And then I also hear you say improv a lot because that's your background and whatnot. A lot of that shit was improv, wasn't it? <laughs> the script was more like bullet points and everybody else was like riff, 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 riff. <laughs> Uh, I would say it's about three to five percent improvised. I mean, it definitely feels that way because, uh, you know, it's important to both Josh and I that it doesn't feel, you know, hard and scripted, that it feels natural. Um, there's a couple scenes, you know, with Skullfucker and with the cops that yeah. are improvised. But <laughs> for the most part, the movie's very, you know, is yeah. is scripted. Um, we did allow a few t takes, obviously, for some improv because we want the actors to have fun. But uh, with independent film, you can't really risk doing bullet points and letting actors riff. You don't have that time. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. a compliment, too, to the improvisers um, that they can deliver lines that feel um, improvised, but you know, I'd say only about three percent was improvised. Okay, yeah, Good yeah. And on top of on top of that, I'll just say, you know, as as Shelley said, we're a super independent movie. Oh, we yeah. have so many pages. If we got, if we like, are spending money to get the crew together to do a big shoot day, we have so many pages to get through a day, right. way more than any other production would ever traditionally expect you to get. Mm -hmm. And so we just frankly don't have the time to do like. 60 takes and just like keep seeing where this goes and get funnier and funnier and funnier. But the flip side of that coin is we definitely knew, you know, we were getting some high level improviser comedians yeah. who could bring that. And so we were, you know, a couple takes to book. Once we have it in the can, it's like, all right, how much time do we have left? Can we squeeze out two more takes? Let's just go wild on this one and see mm -hmm. where it goes. Um, 
So that was basically the game plan. So ironically, I mean, enough, most of those absurd jokes are actually in the script, but I think <laughs> yeah. um, that the level of the, of the, it's really the delivery, right? Like that we have these high level um, comedians on set and let them do their thing. And that's why it comes off so naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so funny is they're just, you know, that's just them. And, and my main mission when directing them was basically to let that come through. Yeah. Now to, to even go off of that or whatever you talk about, um, the skull fucking portion, you know, it's just weird to say that out loud. And, um, <laughs> the, the police officers or whatever, there was, you know, a little more improv or whatever, and, you know, and it kind of shows, but what really blew my mind when I heard you and a uh, Shelly in a previous interview, when she was talking about the pawn shop scene. And, uh, I was just <laughs> like, she wrote those words and he delivered them masterfully. He was like, that was just like, thank you. Crazy. Yeah. And as, as we said, it's funny when I, when I think about that scene, the most (laughs) improv thing for me was like when we were writing it and trying to like basing the story is basically like, um, well, we can't afford like a prop master or a set designer even to go around town and like get us all these cool props to, you know, to have in the scene. It was literally like, well, what junk do we have in the garage or the trunk? We got a tennis <laughs> racket. We have these old candlestick holders and some <laughs> the pearls, pearls, right? So go. We're writing, we're writing those into the script because it's what we have. It's not going to cost us any money. So that, to me, is the most improv thing about that scene. Mm-hmm. And also, you have to keep in mind, we're in, we don't have the budget to close down the pawn shop. So <laughs> what you don't see is that Josh is getting audio and this is where his talent you know working on multiple sets he's getting clean audio on an open set i mean there's customers in there so talk about not having time to really get to improvise we i I wish we did have more to be honest Mm -hmm. um we didn't have time we're losing light and there's customers in there like oh is this an aquarius ornament you're an aquarius aren't you and they're going back and forth oblivious to the fact that we're trying to make a movie so especially the pawn shop scene i would wish we could have improvised uh more but that uh kevin kirkpatrick that's you know he is that guy i mean (laughs) when we came up with it it's like that's him so he delivers it like that and it's amazing that he's able to you know also be able to give such a performance knowing that there's people actually <laughs> shopping in the yeah. background and when we're trying to make a scene from a movie you know where it looks like there's no one else in there and you would never know that mm. that how josh was able to get that audio but um no I, we wish we had more time to actually improvise during the pawn shop scene but that was a live set <laughs> and we were losing yeah. light rapidly and paying per hour so yeah that was that was actually a pretty rough day but victorious yeah. victorious when you see it because it's actually one of my favorite scenes and mm-hmm. some people say it's theirs too so um you know it was really all that effort and sweating it to make sure you got every last bit when you know you're losing light and you don't really have the shop to be open past a certain time um and then you get a scene like that mm-hmm. uh, you know that the uh, film gods are on your side some days <laughs> now with the um the other portion the the freaking uh the, the gangsters or whatever in the garage talking about their portfolio and the diversifying their assets and everything with guns and it was almost like a pyramid scheme or whatever. Yes, yes. You know, and I, I thought that was really, that that was done really well as, as a also. But now, the thing about that was, it's like, 
you talk about how long it took you to do this independently to get the movie from start to end put out. I mean, you started a little over three years ago and it just come out in 2019. There were some references to some TV shows that were pretty old in there. And I was just like, this came out this year, you know, and I was just like, <laughs> but, you know. I understand, you know, I, I'm, I'm well educated now so much in the product in, you know, the time that it took you out to get everything put together, you know, the budget constraints and, you know, you pretty much did everything by hand. That's right. Exactly. That's and Rob, right. the scariest thing for me was the Game of Thrones. We have like three Game of Thrones references and every time they'd bump their final season or it's going to take longer, I was like, yes, yes, because I was so worried that yeah. Game of Thrones yeah. would just not be around anymore. I mean, we, yeah, and in all fairness, you know, it took us three years to make, but it only took us three months to sell, Rob. I don't want to brag, but um, (laughs) (laughs) so it it just is a process. I mean, if you have an editor that you can hire, you know, to quit their day job and just work a month straight, then it wouldn't Mm -hmm. have taken a year and a half to edit, you know. Um, But again, you're working with, we wanted great people. So we were, we'd work with whatever constraints they had time-wise. Um, and, and our budget constraints, obviously. So we were able to get great talent, um, despite the fact that we had the limitations yeah. on our budget. Now, you know, since this was a very independent uh, freaking film and everything, uh, Shelly, why don't you run down uh, all the things that you had to do by hand to get to kind of like, you know, get the people in order? The freaking the costume, the set makeup and everything, because like I've heard it on another podcast, but this is a different podcast. And, you know, whoever I listen to that one, but, you know, people who listen here probably don't listen over there. So kind of give them a little bit of the woes. Uh, <laughs> well, first of all, it's a labor of love, but um, you don't really know what is, you know, all, all that it's going to take to actually to, to do something like this. I mean, just from casting and finding people like finding the main uh, Hispanic gangster scar uh, is his name is his name and in the movie his name is Guapo um, this is not a comedian friend I knew I literally had to find him I find him on YouTube doing these viral videos called Cholos try mm-hmm. I find him I have to find his real name I get a hold of him and he agrees to do the movie um, so casting wise there be people like we got you know a maxa model just reaching out to different people but as far as like the woes i mean talk about getting like licenses and music um but being very creative and resourceful um which independent film causes you to be so for example we have uh kind of our theme song which is the same hook from a fat boy slim song um of the 90s and i find the guy that wrote the hook who owns the hook to it which is called renegade master and we buy the hook from him and we remix the song, so it's a completely different song. But yet now we have the rights to play it, you know, theatrically and DVD and, and streaming and all that stuff. So even though it was a challenge, um, you do have these really great triumphs when you get something like that. But, I mean, there there's not one thing on that set that Josh and I didn't hand do. There's no makeup. There's no wardrobe. People are like, oh, your hair was – well, some people didn't love it. But some people yeah. were like, your hair was great. And I was like, I – this was a happy accident. You know, this is called not having, you know, hair and makeup on set. Um, but, you know, we knew that we didn't have all of those bells and whistles. So the content had to be strong. Um, and with comedy, you know, you don't need, uh, you know, 
lots of wardrobe and and craziness if you have good dialogue and you have great characters and a good story. So we knew we had that. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, right. that came out on on screen. So um, we were just really happy with the end product. And then we didn't put anything in the movie that we didn't love. Mm -hmm. Um, Some movies, when you have so many cooks in the kitchen, uh, it's kind of like a mishmash of what everyone thinks would be, would be a good film. Um, And because it was just our vision, you know, we didn't have anything in there that we didn't love. And uh, there's no fluff. We just take you the whole way and then drop you off. (laughs) We don't, we don't walk you around and hold your hands. We're just going to, shove comedy down your throat and then we're gonna (laughs) pat you on the back and send you on your merry way so um it was it was just fun to make and uh the product is something that's very different because it was made so you know outside the studio system Mm -hmm. right we um took i mean i don't even know where to start about the amount of jobs that i was doing on that one it's uh it was definitely a labor of love and basically you know it's it's not to say me and shelly did the whole movie because this movie would not exist without the help of a lot of other people and just call you know storing those favors up over you know my whole career uh and basically calling them in and so you know point point blank where we weren't paying we didn't have enough money to pay people enough to be like yo this is there's the hard deadline i need the shots by you know x amount of days and so it's like please do this on your free time because uh, I know you're a high level and we'd love to have your work. So um, that was the story with the whole film. But I mean, man, so many days of us just, yeah, doing, doing everything, like carrying all the, carrying all the gear, everything, like, getting the, the props, food, putting yeah. it the light, like just everything from pre-pro all the way through. Me and Shelly definitely had the, you know, the pulse of the film, our fingers on, on everything, no matter what it was. And that's, just like I said, you just gotta, sometimes you just gotta like do it yourself and, and make it happen. And, um, you know, just like my whole career, I feel like I've done every crew position under the sun. So just getting to, uh, make sure that everything's done to our standards. Um, but also as Shelly said, I, it wasn't a crutch, but definitely I, I feel like people don't go to the, you know, the biggest comedy blockbusters for the amazing cinematography or the good <laughs> makeup or the best, the best wardrobes and costumes or stuff like that so there was some stuff you could kind of bend the rules on like i said um because as shelly said you know content is king and so i think if it's if it's really funny you can let some of the like lighting go if you're it's real you know if you're just lost in the story then you can probably you know you're just you're just in the movie it's just one of those things when you're sitting in there and you're you're into it like 10 minutes in you know what i mean and you're just you just want to know about these characters and their story. Yeah. And so I, I'm just happy that we accomplished that. Yeah. You didn't need a whole bunch of lens flares and nothing like that. So, I mean, yeah, I got you. It's dialogue. It's like a Kevin Smith movie. Right. <laughs> right. And exactly. thankfully our, yeah. our editor shout out to Jameson. Um, you know, Josh and I have been, uh, you know, we actually have done a lot of editing of other projects and to give it over to somebody was also really hard. So we had to really like comb through so many people um, to find someone who got comedy um, and that got our sense of humor. And uh, so we're really, really fortunate that just the pieces came together and that a good friend of mine did the final 5.1 mix um, and he worked for a major studio. So we just, it was a lot of hard effort met with people coming along and believing in what we were doing and helping us out and doing favors. So uh, it was kind of a combination of the two. 
Okay. Right. Now, let, let me get your mindset on something. I mean, okay. you, you know, the, the, Rob, every question you ask, I get a little bit scared. Like your intro is a little bit scary. <laughs> I'm bracing myself every time you start your question. I'm ready. All right. So, you know, we talk about the improv aspect of it. We talk about how you wrote a lot of this stuff down for people to say. What was going through your mind when <laughs> goddamn he's like i could taste the tip what who, okay. was that improv or was that from your mind no that was from my from my mind um <laughs> that is written yeah that is written um women have also very raunchy senses of humor which some people don't believe but that came from my mind now that being said josh um will show me something <laughs> like the grapefruiter oh, where no, we have going, this yeah. we have this grapefruit technique Mm -hmm. and this is an actual viral video i had not seen this i'd been privy to it before and josh is like oh i gotta show you something never a big intro from him just sits you down shows it to you and i see this thing and it's absolutely horrifying and disgusting and of course in my perverted mind i'm like we should put this in the movie um so we find the actual woman who made the video um auntie angel and we find her and we are on the phone and we negotiate the deal and we license uh, that act- that's actual footage from this video. Um, so it was a combination of Josh like opening my eyes to some disgusting things I was unaware of um, mixed with <laughs> the filter of my mind, which, you know, like I said, um, I, I don't like stereotypical like chick flicks. To me, yeah, that's yeah. not what's funny or entertaining. So this is something that is both of our sense of humor. But yeah, my mind can unfortunately go to things like taste the tip and stuff like that. Uh, that was a hashtag that I thought we should use. And Josh, before the movie came out, kept using hashtag taste the tip. I said, Josh, just we need to wait until people see the movie or otherwise you just look like the most random pervert <laughs> promoting no, this before we even yeah, I would, I would, see the I just, movie. <laughs> I just started every photo adding hashtag taste the tip to try to build it before. And people, <laughs> people would literally be like, what is that? I'd be what like, you you'll understand. You'll understand in a couple of months. Just just yeah. spread it. Yeah. 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 And I am completely down with that because I would right. have been intrigued. I would have been like, taste the tip of what? But what? Yeah. yeah. No, I wanted to put that say, on the shirts too. You're like, we should put that on the shirts. Taste the tip. I'm like, I don't know if people are going to know what it is. And we know our movie, like we said, I've been telling people, it, it definitely straddles the line between just acceptable and inappropriate. But when there's no one telling you, hey, you can't do that, you can't yeah. put that in, you can't say this about someone else, because you know, it wasn't sold. It wasn't anyone else's. It's ours. And frankly, that's like the only big thing we have. We don't have the bells and whistles. We don't have an X amount of dollars to throw at some star to like have them drive our movie. Literally, it was like almost how crazy can we push this line? Because that's what we're going to that's what's going to be on the on the screen. That's what we're going to be known for. And so, you know, show would write a scene. She'd come over. We'd workshop it. We'd talk about it. Just figure out how we can just push that line and like just bang that out uh, back and forth and try to figure it out. And I, it's funny because I, I, all the time, Shelly, we, we, she'd use this, um, she'd use this saying and we do, it would kind of say, be like something, she can probably tell exactly what it was, but it was something like, it's, it's not dick and pie with a reference to American yeah, pie. Yeah, it's American pie. Like, it's a, it's, what's remember, your dick and pie? Yeah. Yeah. I remember growing up like that movie being, I, when it came out, it was, I mean, probably one of the first R-rated movies I snuck into. It was probably like a 15 year old, but it was like literally, 
you know, that was so funny. And just like, you know, if you think about it, they had way more money. It's a way bigger movie than our movie. But it's, you know, at that time, it's like dick and pie. That's so funny, but so absurd. And it's like, mm-hmm. what is our, be like, what is our What's dick, our and, dick pie? and pie? And it's like, yeah. it's, it's chasing Molly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you had a lot of dick and pie, and you had a lot of uh, dicks and mouths in references to diapers. And shit. Yeah, there's a thing. Yes. Josh actually yeah. said, you know what, Shelly? Oh, you wrote so many dick jokes. Like, there's so many dick jokes. I'm like, you know what? You're right. So then I wrote the monk scene, which is like all vagina jokes, and I felt like I really balanced it out. Um, I guess that mathematically, that's not how the equation works. Um, no. But nonetheless, don't have any kids or what well, someone else was telling us the other day or they were talking about the movie. They had their grandparents in the room and, and you know, the taste the tip video comes off and they've got a lot of explaining to do. But I had like my 96 year old uh, great aunt in the audience during the screening and she loved it. She had no idea what was happening, but she thought that. It was amazing. But yeah, it's not for the kids or um, the sensitive elderly. So, I mean, you pretty much confirmed it on another show or whatever, but like that, as far as that scene with a uh, skull fucker and whatnot, the kids weren't in the room when he was cussing, right? Right. So, no, no. No. <laughs> of course not. Uh, and again, this is, you know, a lot of meticulous planning has to go into independent film. You just don't have the time to just kind of shoot and have a good time. You have to be really concise with the planning. We're trying to shoot, you know, 10, 15 pages in a day. So um, we would have one of the kids is my nephew. And um, so we had him and (laughs) I'm also a property manager. So one of my tenants kids, like two of her kids are in it. So we did all of that one side. And then we actually have a real baby in part of it and then when he starts going off the phone like really cussing that's a fake baby that josh had like gotten from one of his movies that he had worked on a really good looking baby but nonetheless there is a real baby in part of that but not while we were cussing um so we had wrapped all the kids (laughs) before we did that but i like that it looks like they're there of course that's part of now the grossness i guess as you mentioned rob how perverse josh and i are Yeah, that, that was, was a challenge. challenge to shoot because by the time we cut the kids, once again, we're losing light. We don't have a ton yeah. of lighting. And I'm like, is this going to match? Oh, no, it's going to be so hard for the colorist. Like, we got to shoot her out real quick because we got to lose the kids. And it's uh, it was a challenge to get that scene. And also, it's a challenge to, like, hold the camera and not laugh behind the camera because mm-hmm. it's so funny when he's just going off on the cell phone. And, um, and yeah, trying to, like keep everything quiet on set good good audio because like i said we don't have time to like get a bunch of takes if someone blows the take so it's like we need every ounce of footage so um yeah that that scene was challenging but super funny one of my favorite scenes of the movie and that's another thing about working with improvisers you know i i know i use the word improv a lot but it's just also to speak to how they handle the scenes so there, there's not like, oh, I'm going to mess up a line and then be like, oh, sorry, I messed up. I'm going to take that again. Mm-hmm. You know, you use it in improv. If you mess up a word, you just stumble over it or you and you make it funny. So the improvisers, we knew that the people we hired were going to nail it every take. We didn't have, there's no blooper reel of people messing up their lives. I mean, I always watch movies. I was like, oh, that must be nice Mm -hmm. for people to get to laugh (laughs) at their mistakes. You know, we need every take. So um, it's, again, you know, we had to to work with uh, people we knew Mm -hmm. on this. Speaking of people that you knew, let's uh, flip over to the people that you did not know. Kurt 
motherfucking angle. I know. Legend, I know. Legend. Okay. Legend. Hall of Fame. I mean, yeah. So it was a straight up cold call. No yeah. joke. Like, well, me and Shelly met and we were kind of like talking about who I wanted for Mr. Black. Yeah. I really wanted like a big ribbed, big muscly, preferably bald, like, Dude, and so we were like, hey, what about professional wrestlers? This might be a good thing if we can just get some, you know, huge, you know, guy like that. And so we were talking to those couple smaller people. And then one day Shelly was like, what about Kurt Angle? And I was like, I literally jaw on the floor, like laugh out loud moment of being like, you're kidding, right? Like there's, I know what, I've seen the jokes. I've seen the taste, the tip on the page. Like, I don't think he'd be into this. I was like, is that even an option? Now, let me me stop you right there. Yeah, go ahead. So, Shelly, I'm I'm, going to swing over your your direction. I'm I'm looking at you right now. I'm looking into your eyes. I feel you. I feel you. And I'm like, what made you in that instance when he, Josh, is describing what he wants in his main villain, his bad guy, his his uh character for this movie. What made you flash Kurt Angle through your brain and say it out loud? What what happened there? What, what was going well, on? Well, I I am not. I was not familiar with with wrestling. I mean, that wasn't something you know I grew up with. So I didn't watch. I just didn't watch. It. Not that I don't appreciate what goes into the sport. I just wasn't, you know, a fan like Josh was. So I wasn't intimidated by pulling up Kurt Angle. I just saw him. I mean, I'm going through Twitter and social media and I'm looking at wrestlers and I see Kurt Angle. I look at him and I'm like, if this is not Mr. Black, I don't know who is. I mean, this is the guy Josh is describing big, muscly, you know, like brooding. I'm like, I'm intimidated at his picture. And I know he plays, you know, really wholesome, persona in the wwe but in the movie he is a completely different persona i mean he's cussing and he's uh you know really ruthless villain mm-hmm. um but i i wasn't intimidated because i i wasn't familiar with the you know wrestling world so i just yeah. reached out to him and thankfully kurt angle i'll tell you something else about this guy he's hands-on with his career he doesn't just let people handle him and manage him mm-hmm. so he actually read the script and he was the one who said, I want to make this movie. Um, you know, it's an independent film. We're not paying him the money he's worth. He deserves <laughs> anything close to that. So he wanted to do it because he believed in the material. So to me, that speaks a lot of, to his character. A lot of people are in this business for the money. Um, and he's, he's not. He's in it because he loves what he does and he puts his heart and soul into everything. And same with our, our movie, you know, he's in his own custom suit Mm -hmm, and he's rolling around (laughs) on a dirty Los Angeles back alley because he's not going to do anything, you know, 20%. He's a, he's a gold medalist. You see what goes into being a champion and he knew all his lines. This guy only needed one take. And even after the movie, I mean, as far as promoting it and how he's been, you know, just with me as a, as a person, just who he is. Um, he's an all around, just a really a nice guy. And, a ki- and he's actually a killer actor. I got to tell you something. Mm-hmm. He brought it. He's magnetic. I mean, he's got that whatever that it factor is, that charisma, you know, he's got it. And he, he really delivers in this movie. Now, your, your two main characters, Molly and um, what is Atticus? I, I keep wanting to say Abacus. <laughs> like it's, not, you know, it's not an accounting tool. The, the math whiz. Yeah, the math whiz. Yeah. Atticus. Yeah, Atticus. so 
it, when, when when you catch them in the beginning of the movie, you know you can tell they're con artists right off the bat. You know they doing the, they running this paranormal scam. They they going up in people houses talking about yo your shit's possessed. And, you know we can get rid of the ghosts and the demons or whatever the entity or whatnot. To me, it's like they've been doing this so long that it's been old hat. Um, from your perspective of writing the script and formulating these characters or whatever, how long would you say they had been in that game doing that shtick for that long? Oh, a few years. Like it was like they knew their they had it down and they were still at the point where they're like, but I got to wrap this up. We're mm. getting sick of it, you know. Um, but I'd probably say, you know, at least five years um, they've been cleaning uh, people of their valuables instead of their demons. Um, you know, Josh, funny story. So he had brought back this, uh, this teapot from Indonesia and it had this folklore behind it. Mm-hmm. And that's how chasing Molly kind of got started. Um, we knew we didn't really want to make like, a a horror movie, um, comedy is more of our thing. So we thought, well, what would be a funny take on the paranormal? And then, you know, kind of like a, a, a Ghostbusters, but not really, you know, con artists who are pretending to be Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of, start, you know, snowballed from there. And Jim Cashman, who's also a friend of mine, um, he's uh, Jamie from Progressive, from the Progressive commercials. Yes. So, you know, he... I've always known him just as a killer improviser and actor and writer. Um, he, you know, writes for SNL and all that stuff. Um, but he, when he agreed to do the movie, um, I, we were just so excited because ta- he's also extremely professional. And we, you know, we were actually, we improvise a little bit too in the script because we're able to, we have that relationship, um, which is something you can't really, you know, formulate it has to be there. Or it's not. And, and fortunately we have that. So, um, it, 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 I think it shows in the script that it looks like we've been friends for a while and have yeah. been doing it for a while. Because it's just like, you know, at certain points in y'all doing the bit, it's just like, yeah, I'm just going through the motions right now. I just want to get in the back and steal your shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, um, up front, you know, when I first seen flashes of this movie, you know, like I told you, I seen the cover art. First thing I immediately noticed was Kurt Angle. Then after that, it was um, your man from the Progressive commercials. And then since I love Supernatural so goddamn much. Yes. Seen, uh, <laughs> Miss Felicia Day. And, that, you know, that delighted me because I automatically thought about Supernatural. And that's like one of the building blocks to my relationship with my wife. We've been together for like 12 years now. And the, when we first started dating, she introduced me to Supernatural and we've been current with it all the way up until now. <laughs> so wow. now that the show nice. is about to go off the air, I'm I'm crying internally. I'm not going to do it externally <laughs> because I'm a goddamn man. And um, <laughs> it was it's just okay. like, we're here for you. We're it was here like, for you, Rob. Just, just to I see gotcha. her. Just to see her, I was just like, oh, Supernatural. I have a Supernatural tattoo on my daggone no, you don't. left shoulder. I have the um, the demon seal to where you keep the, the, the keep you from getting possessed and shit. Oh my god, That's you awesome. really are a super. That's awesome. I have. A, I would tell Felicia that. That's funny. I have a. Damn, would tell her you're a super fan. I went to uh, Comic Palooza here in Houston. He was like this big comic book convention and everything, and they had a lady there who had a replica of the car that they drove i mean she had every detail of the car inside and out she even had the melted army man in the back passenger seat on the driver's side i was like what 
the fuck is this? I, wow. I got video of me <laughs> flipping the fuck out, trying not to cry because the vehicle that I watched for all these many years was right in front of me. And it was like down to the T, had all the weapons in the trunk, had the demon trap place mat over the top. And it just had everything. And I love that shit so much. <laughs> yeah, Felicia, I mean, she's just like, She's gold. I don't know what to say. She's liquid gold. Um, I've known her for years. We've been doing comedy together. And I mean, talk about someone who doesn't, you know, she doesn't need work. So again, she had to love the what we were doing and love the script. And, uh, you know, because we had a great relationship, she wanted to do the movie. And I'm very fortunate that, you know, Chasing Molly's kind of been a culmination. You know, Josh is been doing so many favors for people behind the camera and i've been doing so many favors for people in front of the camera and just kind of good karma paying off so that when we needed people for our passion project Mm -hmm. um there wasn't hesitation um from you know josh getting people in special effects to work on our movie from me getting felicia um you know people just i think it's just been just kind of good karma that we've built up that people just didn't hesitate to jump on board for our project when we asked. Yeah. And it was just meant to be, you know, it was meant to be. Yeah. We really felt exactly that. things fall yep. in place because they were meant to happen that way. Now, yeah. before I got derailed with supernatural and everything, because I, I, I really <laughs> <laughs> love that. shit. Um, it's a good like, show. Like I was saying, I was, when I first laid eyes on the cover art, you know, I've seen all these different players and then everything and just the name alone, chasing Molly to my mind. <laughs> I was like, this is a goddamn drug movie, ain't it? And sure well, enough. Well, well, Rob, well, <laughs> when I went little to play on words there, Rob got yeah. a little play on words. What, what good stoner comedy isn't a drug movie. Yeah. Come on. This is true. This half baked is my favorite. <laughs> Oh, Half-baked, such Half-baked, a classic, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I, I, when I look up the IMDb for your movie for the first time, I was like, paranormal. I was like, what the fuck? Then I get down to the bottom, drug kingpin. All right, cool. All right, I was half right. Yeah, we got a little play on words there. My character is Molly, who's obviously being chased by all these gangs and the cops and Kurt Angle. And then there's also the drug Molly, which uh, we accidentally steal while we're cleaning people of their demons. We accidentally rip off Kurt Angle of 500 pills of Molly. Mm-hmm. Um so got a little play on words there, double meaning. And uh, a lot of people, we get this as a sequel or prequel to Chasing Amy. It is not. No. We both love that movie. We This is no disrespect. We're fans. Uh, but it has. we want to make it very clear that one has nothing to do with the other. So just if you're expecting that, uh, don't. Um, but we also, we love Chasing Amy. Uh, but it's no relation to that movie. Okay. So all the things that you uh, went through to get this thing here, um, the time that you all sacrificed, the favors that you had to call in and whatnot. What was the biggest thing that y'all took away from this project? I would say for me, um, you know, just when you have a vision and something that you're proud of, don't give up. Um, There's lots of bumps in the road. And obviously it took us a while and, you know, People and things will tell you you shouldn't be doing this. It's crazy. Um, But again, if you have something in your heart that you really want to put out there, um, don't let anything stop you. We didn't let anything stop us, including not having any resources. Uh, We used what we had. Um, So I really took that away. And just knowing that 
um, all these years kind of grinding away in the business was all worth it. And I'm glad I never gave up. Josh, are you still eating? (laughs) Did we lose Josh? Sorry, I had myself on mute because I am now on literally on a golf cart. Uh, lucky oh, Josh, in the Bahamas. stop bragging I'm sorry. about what you're rubbing doing. it in. <laughs> like, I'm on a golf cart. Oh, I'm so, sorry. I'm sipping martinis on a private jet. I couldn't hear you. Stop no, no, bragging no. about no, what no. you're doing. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm giving him a hard time. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 really, he, he really went Hollywood on us. He did go Hollywood on us. I think what Josh would love to say was it was a pleasure working with me on this film. Um, <laughs> I think it was a highlight for him to really work with me. Right. To, oh, okay, go ahead, Josh. <laughs> I was speaking for you. No, I, I heard I heard you, Shelly. Did you? <laughs> definitely the highlight was me working with Shelly. But no, definitely the most rewarding pro- thing of the whole process to me is just having a cohesive, completed feature film at 82 minutes. I mean, I, I work on stuff all the time that is for Instagram, right? That has a bigger budget, just as big a budget as our whole film. So to be able to pull that off and basically have something that, you know, is out there for the entire world is like the biggest accomplishment to me. Um, so I, I'm super happy. Um, and like Shelly said, calling in all the favors and getting the amount of talent that we did to basically believe in us and believe in what we were selling and putting out there and the story we were trying to tell um, is what it's all about. I mean, it's it's definitely there's such a cool feeling to have to have something out that you know is feature length and has my name on the end that says it's director and it is a labor of love and it was it was it was a long labor. I feel it was imagine how I how a woman re- has a real baby. It's yeah. <laughs> very painful, but yeah, very rewarding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that it was our baby. It's our baby and uh yeah a a lot you know you're proud of your baby and you want it to do well and um to have people respond how they have to the movie i think is also just a really great feeling um you really don't know you love something but you know josh has said before we could have gotten calls from you know the distributors being like great job guys glad you made a movie but we're not interested and thankfully we had you know, people that were interested and we got a really great distribution company behind us. Um, so we're just extremely flattered and just really grateful. I think it's just a moment. We, we don't want to uh, not stop and smell the roses. You know, you, you put your head down and you've been working for so long. You do need to kind of take a breath and be like, ah, oh, we should celebrate too, you know, what's out there. But I, I just love hearing people quoting the movie and, and someone said that they were, they loved the movie so much. They were telling people if they didn't like it, they would give Venmo them the money back. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. I would not do that. I say no refunds, but I really appreciate <laughs> that someone else would do that. It's just a cool feeling. Word. So what's next? Ooh. Ooh. Um, yeah, me and Shelly have another property. It's actually that original one we were trying to package, and we had some uh, verbal attachments from some talent and had investors fall through. And definitely after making this feature, it's so funny to me because now um, going back to that project, we are once again packaging it and trying to get the funding for that. And it's funny because we're basically asking for three to four times the amount of money we were trying to get in the 
now that we know how much yeah. it's really going to take, we're asking for a lot more money. <laughs> this second this go around. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, we're definitely, it's another feature length comedy. Um, it's about a, a fem- another female lead story, um, which is important. I know to both of us um, about someone looking for love in all the wrong places uh, while trying to make it in Hollywood. Um, in my opinion, that, that script was, you know, super funny in the first place. And it's, and it, you know, ready to go and so i i'm super excited to once again package that and get it out there um and try to get that one up and running and then you know obviously we're both also just creators and filmmakers and constantly doing stuff so um if you check out the the instagram you can kind of see all the stuff i'm working on constantly um other other sets and commercial projects and everything like that word so being through what you have all been through, the trials and tribulations of getting this thing off the ground, uh, sold and distributed, and now you're out here promoting and promoting and promoting and promoting to get it yes. more eyes and ears on this thing. Uh, what would right. you tell to any up-and-coming filmmaker, actor, writer, or anything that's you know entertaining the idea of doing this thing themselves? What would you tell them right now? First, I would say, you know, it took a while before Josh and I would actually, you know, take on making a feature film. So I would say, you know, start with something you know you can do, be it a web series or a short film, um, and find your voice. I think for a lot of people, just to know who they are as a performer um, in comedy, knowing what, you know, what your comedic voice is, um, is the most important thing. So it might take a little while before you find that. But when you do find that, um, there's something very empowering in about making something yourself and being the creator. And then people really get to know what your talent is because they can see it. You can tell people, oh, I'm this or show them a screenplay. I mean, it was very difficult to get people to read a full screenplay when you can show them a video or now that we had the movie, show them that, um, it's it's much easier to get the response that you want. So I would say to pick off something you know you can do. Um, and first and foremost, you know, find what the story you want to tell and who you are as a performer before you before you make content. Bird. Yeah, and for on my side, I would say just you know, don't let anyone ever tell you no. Right. Like right. Just um, yeah. some, sometimes you gotta pick yourself up and do it do it yourself and play to your strengths, obviously as well. You know. Um, you know, maybe you don't want to make a movie about, uh, you know, the convenience store you work at. But if you work at a convenience store and your boss will let you shoot there at night, maybe that's what you need to do just to get get your foot in the door. Um, you know, something like that. But also, yeah, play to your strengths and just, you know, keep keep grinding. It's not something that happens overnight. I'll say that. Um, you know, I've been at this for a decade. Uh, and it's just literally, I've, like I said, I feel like I've, I've done it. I've been a PA. I've been the one getting the coffee. I've been the one loading all the gear cases a lot. <laughs> so uh, I've done every crew position under the sun. I mean, it's literally if you're a creator and you want to be paid to make art, you want to pay be paid to do something creative. It just it it's it's a hustle. No one's gonna hand that to you. A lot of people just think you can like one day like you know oh, I'm gonna get handed. You know, we live in the golden time. Like I, I think of like the Tarantinos, the auteurs, like the people who create their own stuff that they wrote, and like think of how hard that was for them when they started. It's like everyone has a 4K video capture device in their phone, mm-hmm. so it's like it's easier now for everyone. But that just means that there's a lot more competition as well. So no one's gonna come to you and just hand it to you. You got to go get it, and that doesn't happen overnight. But if you just like keep trying and keep trying and keep trying, eventually something will stick. Something will gain a little traction and it'll help. And you just can build off that and build off that and build off that. 
And if you just keep climbing that ladder, eventually, you know, you'll realize like, oh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty high up the ground right now. So you'll get there. And also same with, you know, acting, you know, if you wait around for that right, perfect part, you could be waiting a long time. Um, So I think also as, as an actress and especially as a, as a female comedian, you know, the parts out there are very small, you know, so to find something that you can pave your own way and your own niche and not wait around for that perfect part. Josh is hundred percent right. People just don't hand you things in this business. Um, you know, if you want to get into it cause you want to be famous and rich, you know, it's, it's not the right motivation. It has to be that you love it more than anything. Um, and there's nothing else you would rather do because otherwise, you know, you're dedicating 10 to 20 years, um, to something. So you have to really love it. Word. I got you. I got you. Yeah, because that's why I'm doing a podcast. I mean, I ain't getting paid for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, Rob. Not yet. Yeah, yeah, not yeah yet. Right? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic. It, it'll, yeah. it'll happen if it's meant to happen. You know, that's, that's how right. I look at exactly. everything. You know, that's why I'm married the second time. Because <laughs> it was meant to happen. <laughs> I hear you. <ya. laughs> yep. But hey, I appreciate you for giving me your time this evening. I know you out there sipping mimosas on a yacht or doing some exotic shit over there on your side. (laughs) Oh, uh, boy. But I appreciate y'all giving me your time. I appreciate you for, you know, going after a goal or a dream that you've had. You know, a lot of people don't do that. And a lot of people sit there on their ass talking about, man, I should have did this or what if and all this other bullshit. Y'all said, fuck that couch and... I'm going to do it. So I applaud you for that. Regardless of whoever say what about your movie, what the fuck have they done? They didn't make shit. Y'all did. Thanks, man. We we appreciate it. And once again, man, thank you for having us on and taking the time out of your day to interview us. Um, We appreciate it and spreading the word about our movie. Yeah, Yeah. thank you so much, Rob. We really enjoyed our interview. And uh, just thanks again for taking the time. Yeah, high fives all around. High fives. Yes. And that was the conclusion of the interview with Shelly Pack and Josh Sutherland, the writer and director of Chasing Molly. I want you to take note, ladies and gentlemen, that if you want it bad enough and you want to do something, you know, you can get it done. These people done this movie by themselves for the most part. They didn't have any talent agents. They didn't have no wardrobe. They didn't have no makeup people. They were running the cameras. They wrote the thing. They shot the thing. You know, they did it all on their own. So it comes a point in time to where you're going to be thinking about, you know, I want to try to do do a podcast. I want to try to, um, I guess, make a short film. I want to try to do whatever it is that you want to try. And the, the first thing, the, the hardest thing to do is actually take that first step into making that thing a reality. So it can be done. There's people doing it every day. I mean, just like Josh said, if you're a filmmaker, you probably have a 4K device in your pocket right now. An iPhone, freaking the inferior device, the Android you have that technology at your disposal. I mean, it's not, you know, over a decade ago to where that this technology wasn't accessible to everybody. You have this thing. You can go to motherfucking Best Buy right now and get you a cell phone 
you know, you're going to get on the payment plan right off that. But if you using it with a purpose, you know, to produce content and, you know, it'll pay for itself in the long run. So don't ever sell yourself short. Don't ever think you don't have the means to do something because, I mean, especially now in the year 2019, almost 2020. You can do anything that you want to do. So that that's the message with this podcast and um with this interview today. I mean, you could do it if you want to do it. Doesn't matter what it is. You can, the only person or per, is holding you back is you. When you look in the mirror, that motherfucker staring back at you is the motherfucker that's going to stop you every time or motivate you to get to where the fuck you going. So, yeah, man, I appreciate them as I said to them for doing what it is they do man whether you like the movie or you dislike the movie what the fuck have you done have you produced a movie have you written a movie what what have you done to criticize these people about their project or anybody for that matter if what who are you to criticize anybody who's making any kind of content if you're not making content that's like professional wrestling you sit there you talk about this wrestler's garbage, this wrestler's trash, but they're on TV wrestling and you're not. And if you are one of those professional wrestlers that's talking shit about another professional wrestler, that means you probably need to step up your game because nobody don't know who the fuck you is. <laughs> so there you go. I said it, God damn it. Get, get your head out your ass and get out there and grind, God damn it. Don't worry about what the fuck everybody else doing. You need to worry about what the fuck you doing. All right? So with that being said, um, let me go ahead and put a bow on this thing and get on out of here. I'm catching up on the G1, uh, New Japan, uh, Climax 29, or whatever the fuck, all the numbers and letters. So um, I'm going to go ahead and finish that up. But in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at It's B-Rob. That's I-T-S-B-R-O-B. If you want to talk professional wrestling and any other general shenanigans, that's the place you do it. Uh, the show that you listen to right now, The Random Rounds with Rob, also has his own Twitter account, which you can follow at 3RShow. You can follow me on Instagram to where I walk the hollowed halls of Walmart, uh, talking about all kinds of things and shenanigans and whatnot. And you can go to random, excuse me, robcast.com to where you can find all manner of ways to support in the show. From merchandise to, you know, just straight up giving me some cash, man, or whatever. But you don't have to support monetarily. You don't have to give me a dime of your hard-earned money. Money? <laughs> money. <laughs> I haven't even been drinking. Money. Because um, you're doing the most helpful thing that you could do right now. And that's listening to the show. But if you want to continue on with that to help the show out in a free manner, you can uh, write reviews, some five-star reviews or whatever. I, I got my former guest, uh, Chris Van Vliet. Every time you get a five-star review, he read it on the show. I will extend that same courtesy to you all. If you hit me up with a five-star review, I'll read it on the show, even though I can't read out loud that well. <laughs> so there you go. That, that should be an incentive for you to hear me read terribly on the podcast. So there you go. Um, shit, fuck. If you even write a four star or below review, fuck it. I read that too. I don't give a damn. If it's a new review, I read that shit. I don't give a fuck. Send a review. And don't just do that for this podcast. Do that for every podcast that you listen to, preferably five stars. None of that. <laughs> Nothing below that. And retweet, share, 
tell a friend daggone make them listen make them put them on auto subscribe and all those automatic download things you can do help the show get the traction get the numbers and whatnot um be that person that i talk about at the beginning of the show that was recommended by somebody so i can give you all crisp high fives <laughs> but um that's about it um a couple of other notes one uh because i almost forgot november 2nd and november 3rd Atlantic City, New Jersey, the J1Con. Go to J1Con.com. I'll be there live and in person doing shows and shit and hanging out in New Jersey in Philadelphia as well, getting some motherfucking cheesesteaks and shit. Um, also, November 16th, here locally in Houston, Texas, we're going to be at the Bar Bohemi throwing down for the second annual h-town podcast all the local houston podcasters are invited all the listeners of podcasts are invited if you just want to come around and hang with a bunch of motherfuckers uh come to bar bohemi november 16th um yeah come see us we doing things second time around baby and uh that's it that's all i got um remember if you got something that you want to do even try just do that shit just do it And I'll see you next time.